Well, I'm glad everybody made it out today. And so last week we ended up in worship for all day. I just couldn't stop to tell you the truth. It was just one of those days. And every once in a while, I think we need those to where we just uh, praise the Lord until we, uh, <laughs> until we almost can't, right? But before that week, we got talking about the topic of prayer and how prayer works. And we looked at the book of Acts in chapter 12, and we saw that Peter, after King Herod had um, saw that killing James had pleased a lot of people, he went after Peter. And he took Peter and he put him in the undermost dungeon and put guards in front of him. But the Bible says, but the church prayed. But the church prayed. And so we see that what took place after the church praying was the fact that the angel went to the prison, went through the gates, got Peter up, took the chains and shackles off him, escorted him out, opened the gates supernaturally, and he ended up on the outside. An absolute supernatural thing took place. And so that's one of the things that we need to realize that, if, that Peter was in jail, but the church prayed. And so I think about my life and different things that I'm facing in life, and I think, how many times would it be different if I prayed, right? Or how many things were different because I prayed? They were going this way, but I prayed. And so prayer works. Prayer works. We looked at John 16 over the last few weeks, and we saw how Jesus, before he went to the cross and, and rose again, he said to his disciples, you know, I'm, I'm paraphrasing this, but he says, you're, you're not going to see me for a while, and then you're going to see me again, and your morning is going to be turned into joy. And he said, in that day, talking about him being raised from the dead, in that day, you will no longer ask me anything but you will ask the Father in my name and he will give it to you. And what Jesus was saying is that I'm about to do something so amazing. I'm about to take the sin of the world away that you won't have to ask me to do anything anymore. I'm about to pay such a great price that you're gonna be able to go straight to the Father in my name and ask him yourself, which was not done before. Once a year, the high priest got to go into the holies of holies and got to go into the presence of God. But Jesus was saying, listen, I'm going to do something so amazing that all you guys are going to have the presence of God. A matter of fact, I'm about to do something so amazing that God is going to make his home, make his abode inside of you. He's going to reside in you. And he says, no longer will you ask me anything, but you will ask the Father in my name. And just pause there for a second. You get to go to the Father, the creator of the universe, in the name of Jesus to speak to him. That's enough to run around the room. That's enough to scream about, right? You get to go to the Father in the name of Jesus. You get to go to the creator of the universe in the name of Jesus and speak to him, request things of him. And we saw the amazing things that took place. Peter was in jail, but the church prayed. How many things could change in our lives if we went to the Father? How many things could change in our future if we went to the Father in the name of Jesus? I don't know, but I think we ought to start spending more time in there. We saw in the book of Hebrews chapter 4, 16, that said this, let us therefore come boldly to the throne room of grace that we have made, may obtain mercy and grace in help, to help in times of need. And that word boldly, we looked at that and it was without hesitation, frankness, without intimidation, bold, being able to speak to the Father. And so a lot of times we like want to pray and we feel, feel so like, unworthy. And we're like, God, if you would just speak to me, if you would just give me time, just a little bit of time. I know there's lots going on in the world. If you would just give me some time, it would be, I'd be so grateful. But we think that sounds good and humble and holy, but it's the opposite of good and kind and holy. Because what we're doing is we're saying that Jesus didn't do a good enough job to get us boldly into the throne room of grace. Now, if he said, listen, I've done enough, a good enough job that you can boldly, without hesitation, frankly, 
get into the presence of the Father and speak to him because of the work that I did. Anything we go less than boldly, we're saying Jesus didn't do a good enough job. That's what we're saying. You know, nor not meaning to say that, but that's what we're doing. That's what we're acting out. And if we boldly go there, I mean, if you think that you're getting there on your own merits, then yeah, you're cocky and you shouldn't be there. But you, if you're boldly going because you believe, actually believe Jesus did a good enough job for you to, you to be put there, that's faith. That's what God wants to see. That's glorifying the Son when we do that. So cool. James chapter 1 we looked at said this, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. If we ask God, he gives liberally. If we ask God for wisdom, he gives us the answer. And not just a little bit, liberally, overflowing. And without reproach, I've said that before in layman terms, it simply means it's not on your works, but on the works of Jesus. It didn't matter how bad your week was, without reproach, you can go to his throne room to ask for wisdom because it's not going in your own works, it's going in the works of Christ. And so we looked at it even a couple weeks ago that there's a reason why we have to go there without our own works is because we need him to fix our works. Maybe our works is the wrong thing. We need him to fix us so that we can go in his good works right? And so if we're scared to go to him because we had a bad week, how are you going to fix the bad week? Yourself? <laughs> Not likely. So you got in trouble in the first place, right? He gives wisdom liberally. That's so cool to me. It's just like this overflow fountain of wisdom to give us answers for things that we're facing. And it's just liberally. It's like overflowing liberally. He more than wants to give it. So cool. Did I have the verse after that or no? But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let that man not suppose he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man and unstable in all his ways. Let me just stop there for a second. We're supposed to ask in faith. Now, the more we know his word, the more we can ask in faith because we know his will, right? And so we can ask for things that are completely outside of his will and, and we're not gonna be able to ask in faith because it's not his will. And so, but just of what I said earlier, part of understanding that we can boldly go to his throne room is part of asking in faith. But if you're thinking, oh, I don't know if I can talk to him, that's doubtful. And that means you're double-minded and it says, do not expect to receive anything from God. Now, just even starting to talk to God, I give you props because there's a start of faith there because you're not going to talk to a God if you don't believe there's a God, right? But God wants us to ask in faith. Faith in how good we are? No, faith in the fact that Jesus provided a way for us to get there and speak to him. That is the faith that we walk in. And not doubting that he'll answer because he will answer. But if we doubt a God is going to answer, we don't know him and we don't really understand how good of a job Jesus did. Am I making sense? We're not going on our own merit. We're not going in our own works. We're not going in our own strength. We get to ask him solely on the work of Christ. And that puts us all at a very level pl playing field because when we go father and he goes, yes, it's all based on the fact of Jesus and not us. So we all have this even playing field that we get to talk to him because it's not about us. It's about Jesus. So the whole body of Christ gets to ask the father equally, gets to speak to the father equally. Gets to ask for wisdom and get to receive wisdom equally. It doesn't matter from a baby, a Christian, to a doctor in theology. We all have the same, same right to go into the presence of God and ask boldly. 
So that's what we've been looking at. And the last thing before I take on a couple scriptures today is we looked at to pray without ceasing. That God wants us in relationship with him. And so pray without ceasing. And like I said before, the common question is, so do we make time to pray or do we just pray all the time? And the answer is both. You make time to pray and you pray all the time. It's both. God wants us in communion. God wants us to take time so we can focus on him. Just like there's people in our lives, we want to spend more time one-on-one. There's a different thing that comes out of that than there is just chatting with them through the mall. But God wants both. God wants us chatting with him through the mall, driving down the street, going through traffic lights. And believe me, a lot of us need to be talking to him and praying while we're on the road because there's some road rage going on that we need to be talking to Jesus about, right? So he wants us to pray without ceasing. Spending time, and if you don't, make some time. It will change your life if you make a little bit of time. And it doesn't have to be this four-hour stretch. Just say, listen, I'm going to take, you know, take some time. I know some people, they're like, you know what? The moment I step into that shower, I'm talking to God one-on-one. At least they've allotted some time, right? All right. This is one of the other scriptures I wanted to look at um, in this series that prayer works. 1 John 5, 14 and 15 says this. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him. That if you ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we've asked of him. Just stop there for a second. This is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will. Now that's important. That's why we need to hang out with God and hang out with his Bible because we want to be able to ask according to his will. Well, How do we know his will? We read his word. His word is his will. And as we read more of his word, like we looked at another day, we'll begin to hear his voice because that is the voice of God. That's the voice of God. God's voice is the scripture. He is the word. And so the more we read of his word, the more we can understand his voice so that when it gets direction for our personal lives, we begin to hear who he is. It's lined up with his word. There's some things that people say, I know right away aren't from God because they don't line up with his word. Now, there's a lot of things that are gray that we need to find out for ourselves, you know, to be able to seek out in life according to his word, but they have to line up with his word. And so God wants us to to ask him according to his will. So he wants us to spend time with him, to know his will, spend time with his word so that we know his will, and then we can ask him and he hears us. If we ask according to his will, he hears us, and we know that he hears us, and whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we've asked of him. That's a privilege beyond anything to be able to go to the throne room of God and to be able to ask for something and know beyond a shadow of a doubt that he's given it according to his word. Well, I didn't see it the next day, you might say. Well, there's lots of things we see in the scripture that prayer starts and the result happens down the road. Lots of times, lots of times, lots of times. We looked at the fig tree a few weeks ago. Jesus cursed that thing from the roots and it didn't look dead, but it was. It wasn't until they swung around again and came by the fig tree that all the disciples were so amazed that the fig tree had died. Well, it died the moment Jesus spoke to it. It just took some time to wither away. Same with us. We go to the Father, we ask. Our petitions are granted. Sometimes it takes a time slot in this world. It does. It does. And again, we have to be asking according to his will. A lot of time, we spend a lot of time in our prayer life Telling God how to respond to our will. We do a lot. I do a lot. You know, and afterwards, sometimes I pray and afterwards I'm like, Lord, is that just a waste of time? You know, of course it wasn't a waste of time to talk to him. But we always want to bring God into our will. 
But if we really understand him and his heart, we want to get into his will because that's the place that we are most satisfied. That's the place we're most fulfilled. Even if the road is hard, it's more fulfilling because we're in his will. Totally. And so it's his will. He hears us. We know it. And then we know that we have it. And that's just walking by faith. That's walking by faith. It's just believing that you talk to God, believing that our God is real, believing that you're boldly allowed to go to the throne room of grace, believing that you're allowed to ask, believing that if you ask according to his will, he hears us, and believing that if he hears us, we know that we have the petitions that we've asked for. That's how we just walk through life. Now, we're not perfect on this side of heaven. We're not on how we walk things out. I guarantee you if we walk this principle out on a more regular basis, we'd see God move on a more regular basis in our lives because he said so. He said so. All right. James chapter 5, 13 through 17. If anyone among you is suffering, let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing a psalm. Is any among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed any sins, he will be forgiven. Now, this is kind of an amazing scripture. Now, the first part of that, it says to pray for one another. Pray for one another. That is something that we have to bring in as a routine into our lives. It is. And we get lax on it. We get slack on this. I do all the time. Even as, you know, the guy up here, I get slack all the time. You know, I used to be like, I'll pray for them when they, when they, when they say, hey, will you pray for someone? Keep them on your heart. Keep them on your mind. I used to like say, yeah, I will. And then wait to see if the Lord brings it back to me because those are sometimes more powerful prayers. But someone asks you to pray according to the scripture. It's already his will. And so usually as I'm walking away now, I'm like speaking already, you know, giving a prayer for the person they've asked me to do. Why? Because I'm doing it according to the will of the Lord, you know? And then he's going to hear because it's his will. We're supposed to pray for one another. And we really need to do that. And we, I get slack in that. And I know we get slack in that. There's some people who are amazing that, 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 always praying for one another. But for the most part, I truly believe as the body of Christ, as a church, we just slack off. It's always like we will rather than we just, just doing and rather than just really thinking about our friends and our families and, and those people that we want to come into the kingdom. That's such a big part too. It's like the Bible says, if, you good to the, if you're good to the ones that you love and are already in your family, like really, what good is that? It says, be good to someone that isn't good to you. Be good to someone who's not in that sphere. Now, of course, we're supposed to pray for our friends and family, but God wants more than that because our prayers are powerful. And if someone's not gonna, if, if you're not gonna pray for that person, who is going to? Right? And so again, just being quicker on the draw, you know, even driving downtown or driving places and you see people and you see they're a mess and, you know, it's like I used to try to think about them later. And so just a quick prayer, pray without ceasing. Just a quick prayer for that person. You know, you might be the hundredth that day that had a quick prayer for that person and just the fire of God's building enough to move in on that situation. Right? And so this is just being practical that we all get really slack on. But these are these things that if we're going to walk in faith, these are the things that we need to do. So we need to pray for one another. Pray for one another. Celebrate with one another. And then it talks about healing. You know? God can heal a body. Everything has been paid for at the cross of Calvary. Everything. Every bit of health, every sickness, every disease was paid for at the cross of Calvary. You know the scripture where 
they were all being bit by snakes, Moses and his crew in the wilderness. They were all being bit by snakes. And so Moses went on behalf of these, these, these people because they were like, cry out to God for us. We're messing up too bad. Go talk to them. And so Moses went to talk to God and he says, if you go and, and lift up a stake with a serpent on it, whoever looks on that serpent on the stick, I'll heal them. And so it's kind of a really odd thing. And so that's what happens. They go and they look at the snake and, and they're healed. And then later on, when Jesus is walking the earth, he says, unless the son of man be lifted up, like Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. And it's this cool connection. You start to go, how is Jesus like, how does he reference himself to a serpent? How is he saying that unless I be lifted up, like Moses lifted up a serpent in the wilderness. And it's like kind of a strange connection. It's like, how could the sinless, spotless lamb of God be lifted up like a serpent? They're not close. They're, the, they're more than opposites. Until you realize what took place at the cross. Oh, he who knew no sin, the Bible says, became sin, that we would become the righteousness of God. That by his stripes, we were healed. So all the sin, sickness, disease, everything of the fall of man was put on Christ. Why have you forsaken me, he said. Why? Because he was a serpent on a stick. Not because he did anything wrong. It's because he took it all, took everybody else's on him. And so it's such a cool analogy because it basically says if we can see our junk on Jesus, it's not on us anymore. If we can see our sin and our stuff on Jesus, it's not on us anymore. And so that's the walk of faith, even in the area of healing. It's like, you know, it's, 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 we have a right to be healed. Now, do we all get it this side of heaven? No, we don't. But it's our job to fight for it. It's our job to believe for it. It's our job to realize that he paid for it. Yes, it could be a journey. And, and ultimately we all win because if you die of it anyways, you're still healed and in the presence of God. But the walk of faith is to believe for every last breath. The Bible says the just shall live by faith, shall breathe by faith. And so we're to believe for that. Rather than try to figure out a hundred ways why people don't, let's just believe for it. Let's just believe for it. And so he says, call for the elders of the church. And why is that so special, calling for the elders of the church? Really nothing special other than they're expected to be able to pray the prayer of faith like we talked about in James. They're expected to be able to believe and not doubt when they pray. That's, that's the, the secret sauce, right? It's not that there's some special thing. Yes, they might have a thing that God might put on them to help a little bit or the gifts of healing or stuff like that. That all is interacting. I mean, it's really hard to follow God on all those things. But the fact is God wants us praying in faith for these things, always fighting for life, always fighting for life. The thief comes but to steal, kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that I might bring life and bring it life abundantly. Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. That was his job. He, God good, devil bad. Right? And us in the kingdom of God, now our position now entitles us to fight for this, entitles us to believe for this. And that's what we're doing. We're praying for another, walking in faith, believing for great things. Yeah, yeah. You know, I've heard lots of people say, I think God is making me sick to humble me. Well, that's not scriptural. It's not. Let's just get humble so we can receive from God. Let's just believe Jesus so we can receive from God. God doesn't need a devil to do his work. We're in his kingdom. We're his sons. The Bible says that through his word and through his spirit, he disciplines his children. Now, 
I'm not doubting that there's places in life that I get to in my downtimes that makes me pray more. But I don't give the downtime the glory because I could have started praying for that before the downtime. It just took that downtime in me to start to talk to God about the situation when I probably should have started to talk to God earlier about the situation. Does that make sense? God, good. God, good. And so we fight for life, always fight for life, praying for one another, praying for healing. And then it goes on to say, this is what I'm going to end on right here. Confess your trespass to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Now listen to this. This is so cool right here. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And so it goes on to say that he prayed it came back again. But what it's saying here is Elijah the prophet, if you've ever read his stories in the Bible, are absolutely amazing. He was like parting rivers. He was raising people from the dead. He was like calling fire from heavens in front of all the prophets. He's mocking the prophets. They're there and they're like, okay, let's just have a duel here. And it's like, if your gods are so wonderful, you bring fire from the heavens. And then I'll call upon my God. And so he says, you go first, you up first. And so they're like calling on their gods. And then Elijah starts mocking them. He's like, where's your gods? Did they have a nap? Are they out eating? The guy was like top notch, man. Like he was like, and then all of a sudden he calls and whoa, fire from heaven. So hot. It consumes the rocks. It's so hot. And then shortly after that, Jezebel comes after him and he's running for his life. Scared to death. After he just all these hundreds of prophets and drew fire from the heavens. And then he's running for his life. And I always joke about that because he was running from a woman. I understand, you know, prophets are one thing, but when women get after you, sometimes you got to run. So anyways, he's running for his life. So this is what it's all about. He's saying that he's like-natured like ours. He can feel great and powerful one day, and then he can feel like he needs to be on the run the next day. And he's saying, listen, we're all in that. Thank God it's not based on us. It's based on Jesus. And we get to go to the throne room, and we get to pray, and we get to pray in faith. And we all have these ups and downs. As a matter of fact, when he was on the run, God sent an angel to him and actually scolded him. He's like, oh, he's all in his, in his pity party. He's like, there's no one like me. And I've seen people like that. I've been like that. Oh, there's no one who knows my troubles. There's no one who knows my troubles. And God shows up and says, it's a lie. I got 7,000 others just like you. But we want to cry and think we're the only one. No, we're not. God, God knew what he was doing when he called you. God knew what he was doing when he called me. God knew. God knew what you'd face. God knew what I'd face. And we just keep believing God. We just keep praying. We just keep marching forward. We keep listening, being guided and led by the Holy Ghost. We have such a privilege, such a privilege to walk this earth, guided by the Holy Ghost, guided by God. And that's one of the things, and I'm ending with this. This is one of the things that we want to take it for a certain amount of granite because we want to be able to walk confidently and know that Jesus did a good enough job. But we forget what it would be like outside of the kingdom of God. We forget. It's been so long for me now. It's like sometimes old stories, at least they make me reflect on how I was feeling and how I was so lost and didn't like just so lost. Like, where do you turn? It's like I've never since the day I met Christ had that question, where do I turn? I lift my eyes up under the mountains. Where does my help come from? 
right? Maker of heaven, creator of all the earth. It's very interesting. I was actually listening to a reading a book and listening to an audio book the last few weeks. And he was talking about even why he said, I look to the mountains. It's because that's where God used to come and meet man. But we don't have to look to the mountains anymore. He dwells in us. He dwells in us. We are filled with the Spirit of God. The Father himself making an abode, making his house, his home in us. And that's spectacular. Let's end there. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your presence. I thank you we get to boldly come to you, the throne of grace, ask for mercy and help in time of need. Father, we've already prayed for our surrounding relatives and our severe. We've prayed for them. We believe you're drawing them into your kingdom. God, we've been praying for our country and our province so much too. And God, we just continue to agree with that. And Lord, now we just get a little selfish, but I trust that we're being selfish so that we can further your kingdom and reveal more of your glory. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I ask for healing from the top of our heads to the soles of our feet in our bodies. I ask for healings in our mind. You give perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because we trust in you. And I thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, for your goodness. That we would prosper and be in health even as our soul prospers. I just believe our bodies are being healed, our minds are being straightened out. There's a lot of things we've grown up in that we shouldn't have grown up in. And there's a lot of like short circuits in our brain too. Things that we were exposed to, trauma, different things. And they've just been short-circuited because our brains try to find a way to alleviate pain. Father, I ask right now that you straighten out all those short circuits in our mind, renewing our minds, health and healing to our minds. I thank you for freedom, freedom, freedom. I thank you, Lord, so many ways that we react unhealthily. God, just, we just like that fig tree, we curse that beginning from the roots. Help us to live a life free from those responses. Help us to see like you see, hear like you hear. In the name of Jesus, amen. I guarantee you something just happened. <laughs> guarantee you something just happened. You good to be alive, isn't it?